Hey, y'all, and welcome to The Application, a podcast nestled nicely in the Enrollify Podcast Network. This is your guide, Corinne Myers, and I am so excited to share my love of high-grad Marcoms, student experience, and campus squirrels. My friends at Rara were awesome enough to sponsor all of the insights and ideas I get to share with you over the course of the application's episodes. So let's get into it. Hi, I'm Allison Tercio. I'm Assistant Vice President for Enrollment and Marketing at Siena College, which is located just outside of Albany, New York. What I do day to day is a million dollar question because it truly, truly depends on the day. I, I almost never know exactly what my day will look like when I walk into it, but my role is focused on the marketing strategy of the college. That includes social media, media buying, brand, brand messaging, enrollment communications, enrollment marketing. So it really runs the gamut. I also play a role in the strategic planning at the college, and I'm right now working on middle states too. So there's a lot of college level um, initiatives that I work on as well. And aside from that, I also get to teach. So I teach as an adjunct professor I teach social media marketing and digital courses on campus, which is just wonderful. I love being able to maintain relationships with students and hear directly from them. I feel like it keeps the work of marketing at the college fresh in a way because I have that direct connection to the students too. Wow. It's a lot of, a lot of things. Do you have a a team behind you? Like how big is your team? I do. I have a five person team. I have a social media team, I have a videographer, I have an enrollment communications person, and then I have an interesting role that's an enrollment engagement role that actually serves as the person between the admissions team and the marketing team, especially among sophomore and sophomores and juniors before they're re- they've applied to the college. Our admissions counselors get so um, wrapped up rightfully so, and and based on our strategy in the relationship building with um, students who have applied and who are admitted to the college, that my marketing team plays a role in starting to build those relationships earlier on among the high school students. So I also have sort of this role that has one foot with my department and one foot with the admissions department. Interesting. I've never heard of a position like that. Do you Have you heard of other universities or institutions that are doing that kind of straddling? I have no idea, but we saw that we needed it. So we created the position. So it might be entirely unique to us, but we were being responsive to what was coming inbound to us from um, sophomores and juniors and their parents. And we really wanted to be able to leverage those moments where they're raising their hand and they're saying, I'm interested and they're wanting help. They're wanting advising. And so we're putting out all of this marketing and this advertising that's surfacing, call them leads, if you're working in another industry, right? And we wanted to be able to nurture those relationships. So we saw an opportunity and we created a position for it. So you and I have been talking about student experience on Twitter a lot recently. Um, I think it's funny because Zach's like, hey, you're talking about student experience and so is Allison. Maybe you should like talk to each other. And I said, what a great idea. So let tell me a little bit about why student experience, why now, and why you're passionate about it? As a marketer, there's no amount of money I could spend that would ever be as powerful or influential as students 
talking about their experience at Siena College in a positive way and telling other people, you have got to be a saint. It is amazing here. Because that's authentic. That's real. That's what people look at in marketplaces like we're in right now. We are inundated with content all day long from the minute that we wake up and we look at our phones until we put our phone away at bedtime. Colleges are competing for the attention of our prospective students with everybody else. They are the biggest target. Everybody's targeting this market. It's not just other colleges. And so the way to you can break through that is from personal relationships that they have in their lives. So when they're hearing from people they know in their lives about real lived experiences at the college, that's able to break through and be more real and be more impactful than honestly anything that I could produce that you would call quote unquote marketing or advertising. Way more powerful, way more influential. I say on Twitter, I've said it before, this is the hill that I will die on, that student experience is the number one marketing opportunity. And it's funny because it's less of something I'm in control of, but it's something an entire organization needs to take ownership of in order to make happen. And in a way, it makes my position less relevant and less necessary, but I don't care because I really believe that that is the most powerful form of marketing we can have out there. It's essentially it's word of mouth and nothing ever, ever is going to be word of mouth. There's no, it does TikTok, a million TikToks could come up and I could figure out how to leverage the next thing that's TikTok perfectly and it still won't beat out word of mouth. Nothing ever, ever will. So that's interesting. So I guess when we talk about controlling student experience and then the, basically the results of good experience is that positive word of mouth. How do you How do you go about influencing student experience so the results are that positive word of mouth? I see my role on campus as sort of a bit of an agitator, and I like to wear the hat of the student and and really be asking the question, how do we want the students to feel as a result here? I, I try to ask questions that shift people's mindset of transactional to relational. You know, instead of just, we need students to do this, we need to say this to students, how can we build relationships with students that, that, that overall improve their experience? So that's sort of the role I, I play is trying to be in that mindset. I am in a doctorate program right now. I've actually done, been conducting my research on this topic. You know, why do students choose a college? What are they looking for? And it really comes down to a sense of belonging which is an essential human desire that we all have. And while we want to think about all of the rational decision-making factors that people choose college based on, oh, it's the cost and the availability of this major and like there's this perfect pros or cons list. But most of the time, if you ask a student why they chose somewhere, they say it just felt right. It's emotional. So I just try to play that role of being that voice of what students are looking for and what they want out of their college experience. It is more than a good job. It absolutely is more than a good job. They want to feel connected and engaged and to belong. And so what can we do to make that happen and make them feel that way? So can you give some specific examples of ways that your things you're changing or optimizing to get those feeling, those good feelings happening? Well, one of the big things is that we've got experience as one of our four planks in the strategic plan that it's, that's about to get voted on by 
our board in June, which is wonderful. So we really have this buy-in for this idea of experience being so important. And I'd, I'd highlight one of the ideas that has come out of the strategic planning is this idea of an experience center, um, not like an academic center or institute like how we normally think of it. But right now, for instance, if a student wants to have academic support, they have to understand how to navigate all the different types of supports that we have available, which is wonderful. We have a, we offer amazing support systems to students, like many coll small colleges, like Siena do. It's one of one of the hallmarks of a small liberal arts college is that attention and that support that you will get. But we 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 expect students to be able to navigate all of that and sort of even understand how we're structured organizationally at a college. Like what student understands the VP areas and that this reports here and this reports here, they don't, you know. So say we have these 10 amazing services that they can partake in, but they don't know that. They don't know where to go. They don't know where they're located and location doesn't really matter. Who is there one place they can go and get their question answered and sort of like a triage sensor. You, you are arm it with people who know how to make those connections to the right place and get to the student to the right place. But it, the student just has to go one place to figure out what they want to do. They don't have to, they ha don't have to get bounced around from office to office to find the exact thing that they need. So that's one of the things that we are hoping to accomplish and that's in our next strategic plan. I, I love that idea. I always talk about, um, you know, we, we talk about student services and resources and like trying to go on a higher ed website and find these individual resources when in reality, they should just all be on one web page that's easy to navigate. You've essentially made a physical web page where all the things are in this office um, to make it easier for students to navigate. So that's that's amazing. Are you is it up and running or it's, it's in the plan going forward? It's in the plan. Uh, the plan gets voted on in June. So I expect that it'll start getting worked on. But that's sort of the the idea is we're starting to change mindsets on mm -hmm. campus of we can break out of structure and we can break out of silos and we can think about things differently. And we don't necessarily need all the people involved to be physically co-located, which is always a big barrier when you're trying to do this. We don't need to put all of these offices in one spot. We just need, that's not even how students seek out a lot of times help, right? They don't physically walk to an office. They want to be able to text it or call it or email it, you know, and communicate the ways they want to communicate. So, and there's frustration on the administration side often as well, because every, every office on campus is also trying to compete with students' attention because they want them to know about everything that they do, right? And everyone's on Instagram and everyone's sending emails to the students and saying, come to this event, get, get help this way. So if you centralize it, it's, less, it's going to be less frustrating because the students who need you will get pointed to you rather than everyone trying to shout at the students. I mean, they're not yelling, but it probably feels that way because everyone's trying to be louder than the other person to get the attention of the student. Right. Everyone's competing for attention that's already, you know, they're competing with Amazon as well and Target and all these things outside of students' lives and, and in, in within the institution. Um, it feels like, you know, if every office sends an email to a student, does anything get read? Really? Not really. Um, so for this this center, um, is it is it going to be what's it going to be called? What are you going to call it? I don't think we've gotten to na a name yet, but it but we we had a we have a model during COVID. We had what we call the Ops Center. So anytime anyone had 
um, to report COVID positive, had questions about COVID policies, everything related to the pandemic and, and our operational procedures around it, Op Center. And everyone knew, go to Op Center, and they got their question answered. And it was manned by um, a group of people. And, or it would get, or they triaged it and got it sent to the right office to be able to answer to that question. But we didn't require people to figure out who would have the answer to their particular question, just send it to one place. So I don't know exactly what it will be called yet from the student perspective. I think we need to ask students what will make sense to them. We need it to be in their language for sure. But from the, from the strategic planning standpoint, we're sort of thinking of it as an experience center, sort of a support center centralized support system. So how did you know that there were issues with students accessing resources? How did you know that there was this, this pain point that potentially could be solved with this centralized um, operation system? Well, part of it comes from the administrators who voice frustration over, we're not getting through to the students, right? I'm not, I know there's students I can serve out there, but, but they're not getting to me. But part of it is just honestly looking at, this is just one example. It's kind of like when we're building the strategic plan and thinking about things from an operational perspective, put the student hat on. How do, how do we have a student-centric mindset about the decisions that we're making and the, and the things that we're trying to do to help? So of course we're already student-centered in that we have all of these amazing support services, right? So yes, of course, and that, that's, that's, a, that's wonderful. But how can we make sure that students have the most amount of access, most amount of understanding to it? Because if they do get keyed into the right service in the right moment when they need it, that's the experience thing that they're going to go out and talk about rather than be frustrated or end up walking away and end up transferring out or end up um, in acad on academic probation because they didn't get help at the right moment at the right time. So it all goes to experience. Like if you think about it from what's the student going to say to other people? They're going to say, I went to the writing center and they helped me with my research paper and I improved my grade from a C to an A. That's what I want to happen, but I need the, more of those connections to happen. So they're talking to other students. That's, that's another benefit is that if you get one student in one of the, you know, being supportive in a really positive way, they will tell their friends and then the, their friends will, will go to that place too. So it's word of mouth on campus, but also what do they tell their parents? What do they tell their friends, their family about the kind of support and experience that they're having here at the college? And it goes way beyond support. I'm using support as an example, but you, you have to think about things from what are they going to say about you? That's right. your brand. Your brand is what they're out there saying about you. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, this is interesting because, you know, we think about, you know, outside of higher ed brands like Apple or even, you know, tech, tech companies specifically that are educating their customers, teaching them how to use the products. They are providing support systems, 24-7 uh, care, these kinds of things, because it matters, right? It's easier to retain than it is to get new. Um, and like you said, this powerful word of mouth, we're looking at reviews, we're asking our friends and family what we what they think before we're making purchase decisions. And that's not any different in higher ed. We we want the opinions of the people we trust most um, to, to give us advice. And and we're not necessarily trust, brands are not necessarily trustworthy. Um, and so we're not looking at brands to tell us if they're good. That's, you know, <laughs> a little bias. Uh, we're looking at reviews and word of mouth, like you said. So this is a super interesting um, almost grassroots, almost kind of duh solution, 
But at the same time, I think it's so hard for higher ed practitioners to step back and say, okay, like how do we get out of the weeds here for a moment and put ourselves in the shoes of students and this this empathy first kind of approach to marketing and operations. Like this is beyond marketing. You're this is talking about operations, right? You're how are you as a marketer, how are you influencing this kind of large shift um, in something that necessarily isn't isn't your lane, if you will, um, in higher ed? Well, it's definitely not just me. You know, there's other people who have bought into this. And so there's collaboration happening. But sometimes people need a proof of concept, right? So we've been doing this on the admissions and recruitment and enrollment marketing side for a couple years now. We do something, for instance, called college coach sessions. So instead of offering only interviews, like come interview with that, that's about the college. We want you to interview with us as part of your application process. We also, we offer college coach sessions where we will help students form their college list. It's not about seeing at all. It's just an advising and counseling role. Help them form their list, um, help them prep for an interview. We'll do a mock interview to help them prep for another college's interview or just feel more confident in it. We help them fill out their application or get ready for their application. What do they need to understand about that? So we have taken this role of advising and counseling through the college process, which has been extra needed the last few years because the school counseling offices during the pandemic have been absolutely overwhelmed. And we've talked to a lot of our counseling colleagues and we know that they're dealing with much higher levels of emotional and mental distress. And so the college planning stuff has, has, sometimes had to take a back, gone to the back burner just because of what's co- what's coming and emerging out of these students' lives from the pandemic. They've been so impacted, and, and this is going to go on for years and years. And so we said, what can we do? How can we help? What do the students need? Not what, what do we want to say to the students? You know, so I'll, we are showing them our brand by doing this rather than sending them an email saying, our brand is friendly, our brand is helpful, our brand is here for you, we just are. Does that make sense? So um, the proof of concept is on the admissions and recruitment side, we have had three record-breaking freshman classes in a row in a time when if you look at a small liberal arts college in the Northeast, there are not a lot of winners in, in that group. We've been winning. And we've been winning by being really personal with the students and being very student-centered in our strategies of marketing and recruitment. And so I think we've created some believers. Maybe not everybody, but Proof of Concept has has created pockets of believers and now it's in the strategic plan. It's amazing. That is amazing. You know, this this idea that um, this, you know, content or help resources without any strings attached um, yes. brought to you by Sienna, but not, we're like you said, we're not necessarily having them fill out an application for our institution. We're just helping them in general. Um, and actually Jenny and I talked about this, Jenny Petty and I talked about this a little bit is this idea that you go to HubSpot and you can literally learn anything. You know, they've got content. They'll teach you how to do everything and anything, even if you never become a HubSpot customer. But because they offer that content and help and resources, they are top of mind all the time. Same thing with Sprout. Sprout for me is like, hey, have you ever heard, do you do you have a suggestion for, you know, social um, help or a social software? And I always say Sprout, but I've never personally used Sprout. I say Sprout because of all the resources and help that they provide 
um, to social media managers and the strategies and the data and the benchmarks and all these things that are super helpful. It's this idea of overly helpful content to affiliate audiences and audiences that are larger than just the people you're trying to pull in is a really interesting idea. And it seems like you've, you've found a way, not just through content, um, but through actual interactions to do this kind of nurturing and brand awareness um, and not expecting initially outcomes from it, but getting outcomes from it um, because of just being, like you said, overly helpful and, and getting that brand out there. Um, that's amazing. Are you do you have any like data or insights or like what are you seeing that you're like, how are you reporting this? Like, how are you telling, you know, your leadership in the campus about this? So for last year's class, we any student that had a personal one on one interaction with a counselor, they they enrolled at about a rate of 24 percent. So an admitted student who chose to enroll at Siena, about 24 percent. But our overall conversion was something like 14 or 15 percent. So we know that it, it's it, it, it's helping us improve our yield, and we so we know that the students that we are that we are able to work with in this way they convert through the funnel at higher rates. So it is it is working, and honestly, even if it wasn't having huge impact numbers in that way, it's also the right thing to do. So we're a Franciscan Catholic college, and accessibility to higher education is very important to our mission. And we can help students who, we can fill a hole for students who need help in this way. And so it's also the right thing to do. So anytime you can find strategies that are the right thing to do, but are also a benefit, you know, a win-win, that's great. It, and this is one of those things, the college coach sessions, those are the right things to do, especially during this pandemic when students have just had their lives completely upended, like all of us, but in a way, these are really formative years that got upended from these students. So what can we do to help them through at this point? The link between student engagement and student success is clear. The more actively engaged students are, the more likely they are to learn, stick with their studies through to graduation, and attain their academic goals. Most higher ed institutions understand that link now better than ever. And yet in the last year, graduation rates are down 6%, retention is down 15%, and co-curricular engagement is down from 59 to 57%. Students cite struggles finding the right resource at the right time to feel engaged on their own terms, as well as an increasing level of mental health challenges and anxiety as some of the biggest barriers to engagement. That's where RaRa comes in. RaRa student engagement and success technology makes it easier for your students to engage with information, services, resources, and tools they need every day within a single app. Whether it's booking time with their advisor, signing up for an event or club, or learning more about financial literacy as a college student, with RaRa there's no more searching around various websites, social media pages, or looking through email inboxes. It's all within the RaRa app. Even better, over time, the app will learn what is most relevant to your students and will push those resources first, similar to a Netflix experience. I actually downloaded RaRa on my phone myself and got to try it out. Super cool, great curated content and a great way really to make it a one-stop shop. We all know higher ed websites tend to be monsters. Start making student experience the center of everything you do by visiting raralife.com slash application. That's raralife.com slash application. The whole idea of 
empathy first marketing um, and not just marketing, right? It's empathy first all around. And the idea of putting the student at the center and understanding that they have unique individual lives and hardships and concerns and motivations and dreams and not making them another number um, and really looking at it through the the lens of, of who they are and what they want to do, I think is amazing. I think the question becomes like, how do you, how do you scale that? How do you, how are you managing, like, what's the demand for this kind of student interaction and experience? And, and how are you ensuring that, you know, your staff is, you know, not overworked? Like how are, I mean, maybe you're not managing it, but like, how is this working, I guess? Well, uh, the missions team and financial aid team and marketing team, we all report to the same vice president and we all work as one team. So that's one of the ways that we management is we manage it is by working together to figure it out. We don't, it's not the marketing team that just comes up with this idea and throws it out there and the missions team gets overwhelmed with requests. We manage it together and we figure out how we can do it. Part of the way we do it is by um, levels of scale. So there are students who want to do one-on-one and we, and so we create a schedule in which that can work with the, with the counselors and then we can um, manage the demand there. But then we also do large scale sort of webinars, if you want to call them that, on these topics too. Because there's some students who are proactive and they want that one-on-one personal. And then there's some students that just want to hear the general information and parents that just want to do the general information. So we do a bit by scaling it in multiple ways. And, and you can host as many people as we want on the general ones, right? We can have thousands, tens of thousands of people and it would be the same amount of work from our perspective. So there's levels of scale that are helpful. And when you were just talking about sort of their hopes and dreams, it made me think of something. We also don't just do it here and there. We try to build it through the whole experience. So they surface when they're ready to answer uh, a question and, and develop a personal relationship. One of the things we do immediately when they submit their application is we ask, you know, the application only tells me so much about you. I want to hear from you. What do you hope and dream for your college experience? Tell me what you're looking for your in your college experience. And a lot of students answer that question. And so it's spreading it out, you know, not just doing in these one shots. And, and when you spread it out, the volume is manageable and you're surfacing, you're surfacing the students who are ready to talk their to their admissions counselor and form a relationship when when they're ready on the student's timeline. So the doors sort of always open. And so we always try to ask questions that they can respond to rather than just say, come visit, apply. Rather than telling them things to do, we ask them questions about themselves. We can tell them what to do. We can feed them the specific information based on what they say back. So if they tell me the most important thing about their college experience is an amazing pre-med program, now I'm going to talk to you about pre-med. I'm not just going to send out an email because you might have marked it on your application that you're interested in pre-med because there's levels of interest. Right. That might not be the most important to every student. There can be a student who marks pre-med on their application, but the thing they're most passionate about, most desired to do is service. So why am I going to spend political capital and, and time and effort sending that student the thing that's not number number one on their list, making assumptions as if they're a homogenous group just because they all marked a certain thing off on their application. So what we try to do is ask them, what what are what's important to you, and then we can tailor the communications following. So how does that work? I guess in terms of execution, how, so they marked something on their application. Fine. How are you asking them for more information and context, and then how are you 
how are you like, you know, segmenting out for that communication? We, we just ask them in emails and text messages, these answerable, but general questions. We have a rule. You never ask what questions do you have for me? That is not a question anyone ever answers. Have you ever said, let me know if you have questions or concerns. Nobody ever answers that. So we ask something that's honestly a lot of times about how they're feeling because they'll answer. That's an answerable question and, and they will answer that. And then the admissions team works really closely with the marketing team on knowing what content is available to match up based on what the students say. So the admissions team honestly is amazing, well-trained. They're super knowledgeable about our campus and everything that um, everything that it has to offer. So depending on what that student says back to them, they know the right thing to say back to that student and to continue the conversation. We don't just respond with, okay, that's cool, watch this YouTube video. No, you know, watch this YouTube video and then tell me if this is the type of program you think would be a good match for you. That's what you do. You continue to lead the conversation. And it's like dating, right? You wouldn't go on a date. <laughs> I'm interested in cats. And then you go start talking about elephants. Like we're probably not gonna have a good date, right? <laughs> well, also if you go on a date and all you do is talk about yourself. So right. if all I do is start sending emails about Siena College and its programs or whatever, that's me talking about myself. Nobody goes on a second date with someone and after the other person just talked about themselves the whole time. Right. It has to be an exchange. So our strategy is to create an environment where the exchange can happen. That's amazing. I'm also fangirling about your uh, combined marketing admissions teams um, that are not siloed is uh, is amazing um, and such a good such a good plan. I mean, I'm not sure why anybody would not do that if they had the opportunity. I don't get it either. I know a lot of people who say marketing needs to be its own division and and all of that. But when 85 plus percent of your revenue is coming from prospective students and undergraduate revenue, I feel like we're right where we need to be. We actually are getting uh, our buildings being renovated right now. And when we move back in, the director of admissions and my offices are next to each other. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. You know, it's interesting. Um, I was in a decentralized, so marketing communications was actually, you know, it was like three miles away from the enrollment office. You couldn't get there if you, you know, wanted to, um, based on parking alone. But, um, you know, and I like maybe saw them, you know, once a month or something. But the disconnect that it causes between marketing and students and the student experience is a huge miss. Um, you know, I didn't get to interact with any students. And I was running stra- digital strategy for the university. Um, so it's an interesting, like you, you kind of miss out on the ability to empathize with students and be, um, you know, be there and, and design things around them because I mean, we're all here for the students, right? That's what we're, we're doing. Right. And so this idea that we're not student centered, student experience focused, um, is, is an interesting concept. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure why or where it started. I'm sure there's an entire history lesson to be had here. Um, but this idea that I'm, I'm seeing more and more CMOs specifically kind of move toward this model of more student focused, more student experience. And I think it's amazing, especially with the like you said, the shift in the, the pandemic and the shift in mental health and the, the, the needs the students have and how we can be more helpful than anything else, as opposed to selling um, an education when they really need the resources to understand and feel confident um, in their next steps, which is what it's all about, right? I remember trying to look at colleges and not having any 
any help with my parents or anything like that. And just not, I had no idea. You have to assume no one knows anything and you have to explain and provide easy, um, easy routes to information. Um, and we often, I feel like almost gate it and not purposely, uh, because it's, you know, it just kind of the lack of, of almost customer experience, customer service knowledge that higher ed um, tends to not have necessarily because of just, again, being in the weeds and trying to do their jobs, lots of things going on and not be able to step back from those, those, um, those day-to-days. But we're seeing it in other industries, right? And that's, that's often what happens with higher ed is we follow other industries. And you mentioned HubSpot. That's a, that's a great example of how they've been able to build their business and increase revenue and do just amazing things and become so well-known by putting their, their potential customers first. It's literally their entire business strategy. Um, there's a restaurant, I don't know if you've ever heard about it, in New York City called 11 Madison Park. It's a Michelin four-star restaurant and they have a team of what they call Dreamweavers. So when you make a reservation at this restaurant, they get in touch with you and then they create these highly personal, magical moments that take the dining experience from food to something bigger. You know, there was some, I remember one story, there was a family that was in from somewhere else and the children, and they had children with them and they had never seen snow, but it snowed while they were there and they got them sleds and they went sledding and, and oh my whatever goodness. the near, you know, it's so, there's these other examples of it. And so how can we all, how can we all be the dream weavers? How can we play that, play that role on our campuses? And when it comes to digital experience, yeah, I can't imagine being in the position you were in and how do you how do you tell the story of the student experience if you're disconnected from it? I talk with my social media team all the time that this is not about us telling the Sienna story. We need to do our best to tell the student's story and share their experiences in really authentic ways. It's not like what do we want to put out about the college? That can't be the mentality of our social media channels. It needs to be, how do we share this experience? Because there's a, there's a place to be had for social media. Social media can impact how students feel about their experience a thousand percent. So how do we need to have our social media structure sat? Sorry, redo that. How do we have to have our social media strategy structured so that we're impacting student experience? It's not just a advertising platform or a marketing platform it's experience too yeah this um the report out from salesforce on experience and how experience is the number one thing people care about they're willing to pay more money they're willing to stick with brands all because of experience and experience is you know the broad term encompasses what you've mentioned it's the physical in-person stuff but it's also social media i was on twitter i had trouble with something I, you know, I added whatever the brand and they helped me instantly. And now I have my problem solved and I can move on. And so this idea of these, all of these micro experiences that kind of come together to form these perceptions of brands and how higher ed can be, can start thinking about this way. And so the idea of social and social care really. And, you know, when you mentioned this um, central organization for resources, kind of like a triage I've always said that social, especially the DMs and the questions, the genuine questions and DMs, it's almost like the person behind, you know, the account is the triage person and trying to figure out how do I get this student to the right place and knowing and 
having the insights into where to send them as opposed to like, I don't know, like, you know, like the not answering, not responding to, to questions on social media and this idea of this experience before and during as a student. Um, are you, so in terms of social and you're overseeing social, like what are you seeing in terms of student experience and social and where it's going and what you're hoping um, comes necessarily in the la- next five years, I guess, with student experience and social media? I think it's two part. I think what you put out on social media impacts the students' experience in their perception and what they might get involved in, right? So how do you how do you create engagement, physical on campus engagement by you by utilizing the social media channels in a really strategic way, right? So there's that piece of it. Like you can you can actually impact their individual experience. Then there's the service and care piece. Absolutely. If you're getting questions and in and DMs, someone needs to be able to answer them because the expectation is that you will, because that's what every other business out there does. If they DM Apple, they will get a response and they will get help. And so that's hard because the volume can ebb and flow and, and sometimes might feel overwhelming. And the other thing is the social media team. And it, you know what's funny? is it doesn't need to be necessarily a social media person, content person that's dealing with the customer service stuff, right? We don't have to think about this as my lane or your lane. And and that's where we get stuck a lot of times in higher ed. But what the person who's answering does need is deep institutional knowledge so that they can help. They need to really understand all the inner workings and all the services that are available and what the deadlines are for students. And they need to have that knowledge so that they can help them the best. I think that's way more important than it being a quote unquote social media person who's developing the social media content. Yeah, that's totally right. I mean, if you're using any sort of software, you can have a seat, a person dedicated to seeing those kinds of information. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a social media manager. It could be someone who just has a general knowledge of the resources available to students and can answer questions. You're completely right. Um, and that, again, it's almost like a duh, but you know what? It's Sometimes it's hard to step back and think about those things. Um, so in terms of student experience digitally, wider, in a, in a wider sense, what are you seeing doing and or excited about for student experience um, and sort of like the digital journey that they're taking both before and during, um, you know, their time at Siena? Honestly, it's hard to predict because you don't know what the next digital opportunity is going to be. I mean, who would have predicted TikTok, right? (laughs) So I think it's more of uh, a position of adaptability and flexibility and responsiveness. That's really what you have to be focusing on because you it's really hard to plan what the digital opportunity or digital experience for students and what they will desire is going to be even a year from now, right? So we really need to kind of put those liberal arts skills, I call them power skills actually, on and and just continue to push ourselves to be adaptable and responsive and be able to critically evaluate different opportunities to find out what's right and listen listen to the audience first and foremost all the time always be talking to students about their expectations their needs their desires and then you'll get to the right answer you know the doing adding new tactics or new tools that's the easy part figuring out what the right match is for what the students want that's the harder part 
So I think just the openness and readiness to be responsive and always leading with that empathy first, that you're always going to arrive at the right answer. It was interesting to talk about expectations, right? So the, the combination of expectations and the actual experience they have creates like the perceptions and the perceptions then, you know, attitudes, influences, behaviors, and ultimately is a, is a reason they do or do not. Um, and so this idea of ex- expectations and asking first what the expectations are and then and then making a decision, right? You don't have to, I mean, I, I love TikTok. I think it's a great platform, um, a great, a lot of potential for higher ed. But like maybe your students don't expect you to be on TikTok and that'd be, it would be okay, right? Or they don't expect you to have, you know, this service. They don't expect you to answer within 24 hours. Wherever the expectations are, like you said, it's almost like, let's just ask. Let's ask what their expectations are and then adjust. Because if we can meet and then exceed their expectations, that experience then becomes a wow moment. It's a surprise and delight moment. It's a, this was amazing moment. They have all those feelings, like you said, those, you know, making decisions irrationally is what humans do best. Um, and so it's the emotions and the feelings that have been created from those experiences that are then informing and making them act in different ways. Um, so this idea of let's stop, let's not, let's not redo the website yet. Let's ask what the expectations of our students are first and then make decisions um, and change strategies based on those expectations. Let's just ask. <laughs> yeah, and you and and take that as legitimate data. Just because it's not always quantitative, for instance, doesn't mean that it's not legitimate. We need to understand that this kind of feedback can can help you be data driven in your yes. decision making. We have to think about um, research and data in a different way. And you're absolutely right. It's the risks for colleges are and probably really honestly anyone who's selling to consumers it's in the gap between expectation and reality. That's where the risk is. Absolutely. So that's where you have to focus. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. That gap is make is going to make or break you, right? Because um, that expectation and, and expectations, unfortunately, are different for every single individual, right? They have all different expectations based on a very complex um, history of experiences and desires and motivations. And so you can't necessarily predict what their motivations or their expectations are gonna be. You have to ask them. Um, and there there are ways to measure this, right? But like you said, um, and I, Kevin from Ohio State said this as well, um, measuring student experience, measuring brand, measuring brand experience doesn't always come down to impressions and data and conversion rates and things like that. It really comes down from that qualitative data of students saying, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This was amazing. Because you know that, that not just one student was impacted by that. That, that student spoke up. But this, this idea of this rich data that you can pair, obviously, with quantitative, but like having the, the feedback system and getting feedback, um, this loop, right, of this constant loop of feedback, asking students, so you send, we send hundreds of emails, like in an email, we could probably say, hey, take a quick survey. Tell us how we're doing. What can we do better? This kind of feedback loop, um, I think, is missed a lot. and It's not necessarily taken advantage of. And campus, uh, you know, student focus groups, some of my favorite um, projects at U of M were with like, hey, like students, like, tell me what this, what does this mean to you? And how does, how do you perceive it? And like, how can we make it better? And how does it relate to what you're doing and dealing with? And like making those campaigns and those communications better for them um, 
was, you know, that's 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 the goal right there is asking, constantly asking, because they're willing to say, they're willing to tell you, right? We just have to ask. Yeah, and maybe sometimes we're scared to ask because it might mean that we have to change how we're doing something and it's, and it's really hard to change. So there's that, there's that in the mix as well. So we, you have to be open to change. You have to be ready to ask that question. So that's part of the mindset shift that everyone has to do. And there are two metrics I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mix up which is on which, which satisfaction survey. So we do two satisfaction surveys here. We do Nessie and Noel Levitz. And one of them has a question about, would you do it again? And another one has a question about, would you refer to a friend? Okay. And so there are some hard metrics out there that, you know, down the road, you can use to measure your success in focusing on the student experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, and it's even asking during those micro experiences, right? So events after an event, you can ask about feedback, right? It doesn't have to be like these big, like, would you recommend Sienna? Like, no, what did you have? Was this event? Great. If it wasn't like, how can we prove next time? Or, you know, how, how was the counselor experience? And, and, you know, what can we do better next time? And this, just like you said, asking. Our favorite question on the admissions side, every time, every tour, every event, everything is, if you had a magic wand, what would you change? Amazing. And so like who, so like, like you said, there's a lot of qualitative data. Who's like looking at this? How are you taking that data and bubbling it up and getting it to the people who are making decisions and all that? On the visit side, the director of admissions and I, we read every single one. We get an email sent every time someone fills it out and we read them all in real time, as if you sent me an email, Corinne. I I read it that way because you have to keep that. (laughs) You have to keep that top of mind. It can't be, okay, next week I'm going to go dive in and evaluate all of the surveys. I find that getting the feedback in real time, it just keeps it in our heads so then when we go into the next meeting where, we're, where we are making a decision, we have it right there. Right. Well, and this idea of social listening, right? So social listening is a, a bit of a form of this, right? Having just kind of a sense of what's being said about you online and in conversations and Steve's favorite Reddit, right? Like what's happening on the conversation? You don't have to interact with them necessarily, but understanding what's being said, um, you know, there's the whole like, thread and read it about awful higher ed websites and like just like such a gold mine of information about like students expect your website to tell them what they want to tell you know what they want to know and it's not and so like again that gap between expectation and experience is being broken and they're they're going to move on because there are lots of websites they can go to to find information and so like you said this idea of real-time feedback and information and again understanding your customers in this case, students um, and what what they want, and what they're doing, what they're saying, and and just again this idea of expectations and managing expectations. There are things that higher ed cannot change or do or optimize, and so it's managing this. Like, hey, you know what? You're not going to get this back in two days. You're going to get it back in five days. Some sort of management of expectation. Parking sucks. Parking sucks everywhere. You know what? It's going to suck. Give yourself some extra time. Here are some tips and tricks for parking on campus. These kinds of ideas of managing expectations and making sure that they're prepared because the experience may not be the best, but maybe we can't do anything about it right now. Nobody wants to take the math placement test. That's just annoying. It's in the summer. I'm not in school. 
But when you explain to them that it helps us match you to your, your right course in the fall, everybody wants to be in the right courses and have the, be taking the right four or five courses in the fall, right? That is on every first year student's mind. So when you phrase it as what's important to them and something that you know they care about, they care about what courses they're gonna be in, then you can get more buy-in. So I'm with you. There's going to be sticky things that just exist. They have to exist. We can't not have a math placement exam because we need to know which calculus class that you can get put in. It, it, and also that but down the road, that impacts experience, right? Because if they get in a class that's not a good match for them, it's just going to be frustration. They won't do well. That's, not, that's no, no good for anybody. But you're right. How do you find the angle that makes it matter to them? How do you, how do you be upfront about something you know is going to be frustrating right? And, and help them navigate it? Yes. And that's very student-centered too. Right. And easing, easing anxieties around something as simple as a math test. It's like, why am I taking this? What should I expect? Again, expect, what should I expect? What should I bring? Should I, you know, is it going to be cold in the room? Like very simple things that you can do and prepare them for um, to make that experience less awful, like a math test. Um, And then what, what happens next? Hey, within 24 hours, you'll receive this communication within this amount of time. You should get, here's a link to where you can find your score. Like these, like really managing expectations and assuming they know nothing because Everyone, most students are coming in fresh and they have no idea about anything you're doing, office structures, nothing. Um, And so assuming they know nothing and letting themselves select the information they need to consume in order to feel confident about their decisions. And even if they do know something, there's everybody has a fear of the unknown. That's universal. So address the fear of the unknown. You don't even have to ask students. You don't even have to do data collection for some of this stuff. It's just common sense. Of course, students are going to fear certain things or be nervous about certain things or feel anxious. That you could list, you could just sit down in two minutes and list many, many of those and now go and address them. You don't even have to necessarily do these big surveys or interviews or anything. A lot of this is just taking time to think about if I were a 17 year old and I, um, and trying to figure out what college I'm going to, what am I worried about? They're worried exactly. about making the wrong decision. They're worried about, can my family afford this? They're worried about, will I belong? These are not rocket science things. It just requires you to just pause and think from their perspective. Right. And sometimes it's a simple change as web copy. Like that's a super simple change to provide more information to help them prepare. Um, you know, navigating bus systems on campus. Like I can't imagine, like if, unless you've got like a super user-friendly app, like all of these things are terrifying. I'm gonna be late to class. I, I, I'm afraid to be late to class. Like how do I not be late to class? Like having these very simple content pieces that will help them, again, feel confident, manage their expectations. Hey, you know what? Buses are super full, get there early, that kind of stuff. Um, is such an easy change um, for marketing communications but it takes the time. It takes time to step back and say, "Okay, I am literally standing here. What are my questions, and how do I, you know, get the answer? And, and can I find the answer in a reasonable amount of time? Because sometimes we bury the information as well." I love the bus example because it's not likely, honestly, that a student is ever going to verbalize that their expe- expectation is that the college gives them a way to navigate the bus system, right? They're not going to verbalize that, but if you just start thinking about the things that they would be worried about, then you'll address it. 
yeah it's an expectation that's not verbalized it's something that does matter to them though but it probably wouldn't occur to them to say it to you if you were doing an interview or a, or a focus group yeah i mean it's a psychology of like acting like everything's normal right like you're staying yeah. at the bus stop and everyone else seems to know what they're doing so like what the heck is wrong with me and like no one knows what they're doing and but no one's ever voicing it and so like again like you said they're not saying out loud but like this idea of like you could make it easier, especially for people who don't necessarily know they're not, they're freshmen, they don't know what they're doing, make it easier for them. And you've got to do that by stepping back and pretending like you know nothing. Like you said, a 17 year old, first time on campus, what do I need to know? Um, and how do I how do I lower my anxiety? Because I have enough anxiety already about grades and everything else. I don't need to be anxious about the buses. Um, yeah. Take that fear and that, that anxiety out of their lives. Um, and it will create ripple effects in the experience um, that they have on campus. And like you said, that results in word of mouth and that positive, you know, good feelings um, that can come out of those things. We actually transformed our admitted student piece that goes with their admit letter to be this, what you're talking about right now. So instead of sending this fancy brochure that's all these amazing things about Sienna, what we did is advice and tips from current students. Genius. This is what, as a current student, this is what we want you to know about Sienna. And by the way, through that, there's traditions that come through and highlights about the college, of course, through the student voice and through their advice and tips, they learn about Sienna and, and some unique things and things that are different about Sienna versus other colleges. But we don't just kind of put out a brochure with a list of all those things that they need to know about Sienna. We let the students tell them in the form of advice. Because Amazing. everyone is worried about what's my first year going to be like. So let's just talk about it day one. Yeah. I mean, something simple as you don't step on the block M at the University of Michigan. Like, I mean, I mean, I would never have known that. Um, I only know it because I saw it on a social post once. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, assuming people know that or like, you know, being like outcasted because you step on the block M and now suddenly you're like, you know, have this like social anxiety, like something simple like that. Like you said, the students... Let the students tell them. Let the students say, hey, don't stop on the block M. It's a superstition around here. Like something as easy as that. Like, oh, now I feel like I'm in the, I'm in the know. I'm in the know. I'm an insider now. Like I, I, you know, I get the traditions of U of M, that kind of stuff. Is It goes so far um, for that individual. And it's so easy to just put into a piece of content when you're, when you're talking to them. I am so excited that you, you and your team are thinking about these things and it makes me feel good and me feel warm and fuzzy um, <laughs> about experience and student experience and just like focusing on the empathy of all this. I think it's amazing. I think you kudos to you and your team for doing this and, and thinking about the student in this way and really putting empathy first. Because I think this is this is where higher ed wins. We win in this space of providing a service to the communities and the people, you know, who need it. And amazing. Um, and thank you for, for being here. No problem. I was happy to. And if anyone's looking for a place to start, this is a lot. Start with the prospective students. Find your proof of concept. And it will start getting adopted. And it will leak into the culture of the institution as a whole. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it takes a, a bit. But I think everyone has the best intentions. Um, it's just about kind of showing, showing how it works. 
That's a wrap for this episode. Please rate and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. And remember, a better student experience is always the answer. Hey all, Zach from Enrollify here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Application with Corinne Myers. If you liked this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.